I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Today, we are talking to Maddie Dalrymple, the host of the Indie Author Podcast. And we have a bit of a meta episode for you today because on the Indie Book Talk podcast with a host of another podcast, we're going to talk about how podcasting can help you build your author platform. So Maddie, thank you for joining us today. No, it is my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. We're glad to have you. And I was on Maddie's podcast recently. Um, so that's how we, we met. So this is a super just like circle of podcasting greatness. <laughs> Well, actually, I mentioned her podcast, too. It's like, hey, have you tried this podcast? <laughs> and I said, funny story, I was just on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the small world of podcasting. It really is. And it's an even smaller world of podcasting related to indie books and indie authors. I th- yeah. yeah. I think that the, um, the trend in podcasting is definitely toward uh, niching down. And so even... Indie authors is starting to become a pretty overarching subject. You know, they can get even more niche than that. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a small world of podcasting, but it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, and we're glad to see it because it's it's good to have more podcasts to listen to, and it's always fascinating what you can learn on a podcast. So, Maddie, how did you start your podcast? What what was the impetus for that? I had started it back, I think, in 2016, and honestly, it was more of a networking effort than anything else. I really just wanted an opportunity to talk with people that I knew, mainly local people, uh, members of my uh, writers group, for example, about things that they were specialists in. And I thought that if I had a podcast and in return for them sharing their expertise, I could give them some nice audio. Uh, I think at the time it was just audio. Later on became video. But if I could give them some nice audio resources that they could then share further with other authors or with their fans or followers, that that was uh, sort of the way I could pay them back for sharing their expertise. But it really started out just as a way of having an excuse to talk to people about topics that I was interested in, in the world of the writing craft and the publishing voyage. That's more or less how we started too, isn't it, Shelley? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's an amazing way to uh, pick people's brains and, and not feel too bad about it. It's like buying them coffee when you can't buy them coffee. <laughs> exactly. So how long have you had your podcast, Maddie? I had the podcast sporadically in 2016. And then when I left my corporate job in 2019 and started doing writing and publishing full time, I became more regular with it. It was uh, moving to regularly every, every other week. And then I think it was at the beginning of 2020 that I went to a weekly schedule. My, my big, the million dollar question, I guess, is <laughs> do you feel like having your podcast has helped you build your platform? Well, it has certainly helped build a nonfiction platform. So I was very interested. I just find the publishing world very interesting. I love talking to people about it. And then I love sharing that information out with people. And I really wanted two parts of my author platform. I had been writing fiction since 2013. I write suspense and thrillers and mysteries. And I wanted to supplement that by 
capitalizing on the information I was gathering about the publishing world and sharing that out in uh, books, uh, maybe long-term in courses, although I don't know about that, but also through the podcast. So the podcast is definitely both a way to pay it back to people and a way to hopefully monetize it long-term. So yeah, I'm, I'm working away on building that platform and feel like I'm making good progress against that. So have you gotten much feedback in regards to your fiction work with the podcast at all? Or any networking with that? They're pretty separate. I mean, certainly I have done a lot of craft episodes on the podcast. And in those cases, then when it's appropriate, I'm applying those lessons to my fiction. So for example, um, I had Robert Dugoni on talking about how to work backstory and flashbacks into your stories. Mm-hmm. I had Stephen James on talking about 12 surefire ways to kill suspense in your novel. Um, I've had um, Jenna Moresi talking about how to write a convincing villain. So I've been able to capitalize on that information for my fiction as a listener. But I don't think that podcasts are really best for fiction. The source I point to for this is uh, Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon. Jay Thorne has done, I think, more podcasts aimed at writers than any other podcaster I know. And his experience was that early on, he had started a podcast that was aimed at uh, horror fiction. And he was using it as a platform to try to expand his reach as a horror author. But fiction doesn't work as well, in my opinion, as nonfiction. And I think it's because when you have an author who, or if you have a podcaster who's interviewing fiction authors, then I think the listenership is often the followers of that guest. And then that listenership will follow that guest to other platforms. So if you love Hank Philippi Ryan, and Hank Philippi Ryan is on a podcast, you, you're you probably going to go listen to that. And then if she's on another podcast another day, you're going to go listen to that. But you may not get tied into the host and the podcast itself the way you would if you were attracted by the topic of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I've never really tried to use my podcast as a platform for promoting or expanding my platform of my fiction. But having said that, I'm very curious as to what you guys think about that. (laughs) Has that been your experience or not? Well, we're still pretty new. Yeah. Um, But I actually do listen to quite a few um, podcasts based on fiction writing. Perhaps it's maybe just, I think yours is primarily an interview-based podcast. Yes. Um, So these are more talking about the craft type podcasts versus just interviewing. Um, Maybe they'll interview occasionally, but it's like their processes and like they'll do fake interviews with their characters. Mm-hmm. So it's oh, really that's tying, a great idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of tying into their brand and who they are. So it gives you both information on being a fiction writer, as well as always something about them personally as well. And I really enjoy that. And I, I would definitely listen to more of those type of things. And is it the same host all the time? Like, do, are they putting out a, a regular podcast with mm-hmm. that material? Yes. I just think that would be so difficult to have <laughs> all the responsibility for providing all that content. <laughs> well, um, several of the ones I listen to are kind of like uh, what Emma and I do. It's more like a conversation where it's not so much as, you know, maybe some days are heavier in information than others, but it's always like you're you're listening to writers talk. Mm-hmm. And I've always found that interesting because then you can really get into the minds of what um, the authors you like are doing. Well, I think that that's one thing about the podcasting world is that there are many, many preferences and many opportunities for different people to offer up different content that appeals to all those different preferences. That's the cool thing about podcasting. It's also the cool thing about being an indie author is that 
you know, we, we get to be in that niche of we may provide for smaller audiences in some cases, but they're very dedicated audiences. I think that's, that's like a power that we have that sometimes, you know, if you have, you're traditionally published or you're with those bigger houses, you don't always have that kind of one-on-one connection of giving readers exactly what they want. Yep, absolutely. And I think you're also tied to the slower schedule of traditional publishing. And so you may have ideas for lots more books than the publishing calendar is able to accommodate. So that's another way that I think indies have an easier way of creating those kinds of connections with the readers. I love being an indie author. I really do. (laughs) Um, So I've sidetracked us as I always do. To get back to the point about building your audience. Um, it, you know, Shelly said we, we haven't been around very long, which is true. We just started this podcast in December. So it has been interesting to see, you know, the numbers tick up little by little. And we're certainly not, you know, becoming rich off this podcast because we don't do any advertising. But I think that I do have high hopes that we'll, we'll grow our listenership beyond kind of the threshold where we are now. Uh, though I can't give any real feedback as to what that will look like because, again, we've been doing it for, what is it, three <laughs> months? <laughs> Two and a half months at, this, at the time we of recording are this? We are We're pros. This. We're experts. <laughs> we finally figured out how to, how to make the sound quality okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So let me ask you, I was on your podcast and it was a very pleasant experience, very professional. Um, I felt like I was prepared. We're not as good at preparing people who are going to be on our podcast. We're just like, hey, we're going to chat. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I noticed when I was then listening to your podcast, both in preparation and after, you do have, you know, you're monetizing. So you do have some advertising at the front end and advertising, I think, near the end as well. Do you feel like having advertising affects listenership like do you do you have to already have sold someone on your podcast before they come to you because they're going to get hit with ads up front or do you think people are just used to that and they're just going to either listen or skip the ads i think it depends on how valuable the things that you're recommending to them are so if the the um paid sponsorships that i've had so far have been for a course called the uh, Six Figure Author Marketing Challenge with Nicholas Eric and Lee Savino. And it's a class I took and I loved. And I approached Nick and Lee and said that I'd like to, I'd love for them to sponsor some episodes of the podcast because it was something that I was probably going to be recommending whether they gave me a sponsorship or not because it was such an excellent resource for me. And the other sponsorship opportunities are similarly ones that I would only pursue them if they made sense. I'll use affiliate examples because I have more experience with affiliate relationships than I do so far with sponsorship relationships. And as an example, I use uh, Vellum and Scrivener. They're probably my two key tools that I use in the production of my work. And I'm happy to recommend those. I can wholeheartedly recommend those to people. And I'm happy if they use an affiliate link to get to that those and that I earned some money from it, but I would be making those recommendations whether or not I was earning any money or not. And so if you're offering people products and services that you truly believe are going to be valuable for them, then I think it's a draw. If you're just offering it to them because you're hoping to make some bucks, then I think that very quickly becomes apparent to the the listenership and that would turn them off. 
I also think you have to be sensitive about how much time you're spending. I do have sponsorship announcements at the beginning. At the end, I'm not talking about sponsorships or affiliates, but I do mention that I have a Patreon uh, membership program and also a Buy Me a Coffee program. And so those are two opportunities people have for providing financial support that are independent of an affiliate or a, a sponsorship relationship. Okay, so tell me more about this buy me a coffee because I might be on board with that one. (laughs) Buy me a coffee is great. And I discovered it because I was looking at Gwen Hernandez's website. She gives great information about Scrivener. And I was looking up, um, I was reading an article she had written about Scrivener and I got to the end and it had this button that said, buy me a coffee. And you could click on the button and it would take you to this site called buy me a coffee where you could make a small contribution and you can frame it up as coffee or beer or I forget what other options they have out there. But it's basically, do you want to send this person three bucks or six bucks or nine bucks for what, um, you know, for the value that you've gotten from whatever is associated with the buy me a coffee link. And so I did that. And what I have done is I offer two options for people who want to support me financially, who want to support the indie author work financially. One is Patreon, which is a membership program where people are contributing uh, a certain amount a month. In my case, it's $3 a month to support the production of the podcast. And I position Buy Me a Coffee more as if you get particular value out of a out of a certain episode or a certain resource that you find on the website, and you just want to acknowledge that value with a small contribution, then buy me a coffee is um, a great way to do that. So on your Patreon, and granted, I do not know a lot about the Patreon world. I've only been there a couple times, but don't they also have a one-time contribution in there as well? Or do you only have the subscription? I believe that both of those have have the comparable function. So I think you could do both a subscription-based and a one-time contribution via Patreon. And similarly, you could do either a subscription-based or a one-time contribution with Buy Me a Coffee. But Patreon is so well known Mm -hmm. as a subscription model that I definitely wanted to use that for the subscription side. And then I just thought Buy Me a Coffee was so much fun. (laughs) And I kind of like that it's separate because I think that it it avoids people being afraid that they're really signing up for more than they're signing up for if those are handled by two separate platforms. Well, true. A lot of people are weary of signing up for yet another thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So have you felt your Patreon and the Buy Me Coffee, one or the other, have really um, the podcast benefits from them? Are you doing well with those? I mean, you don't give numbers, but um, do you feel it's uh, been a benefit so far? It's certainly been a benefit. And it's really just helping to defray some of my costs. So as you guys know, there are costs related to the podcast hosting and website hosting. And, you know, there's a there's a certain, uh, there are costs associated with any uh, software you use to edit the podcast. And so the money I'm making from Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee is really still just helping to co- to cover those costs. It's not like I'm, I'm making a lot of profit. But uh, long term, I would certainly hope to. My business model has always been Joanna Penn on the Creative Pen. And I was thrilled in the in her last a Patreon Q&A session, somebody had asked her for recommendations on podcasts that she would recommend people listen to. And she listed the Indie Author Podcast, which was honestly one of the highlights of my last year. (laughs) You should put like endorsed by Joanna Penn. Like you should ask her if you could put that. 
Don't yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's a good idea. I have gotten endorsements from her for uh, at least one of my books, but I, I would like to spread the word more about her kind recommendation of the Indie Author Podcast. But certainly for her, Patreon is is a profit. You know, it's a profit center. It's a money maker. And I have I have had Joanna on the Indie Author Podcast, and I've been on the Creative Pen Podcast. And I think I've said both times that whatever the Creative Pen is doing now, I hope to do in three or four years because I'm not the cutting edge person that she is. But um, I am kind of modeling my both my fiction writing and my nonfiction platform career on what she's doing. I just think she's a fabulous resource, and she has we share many of the same theories about what we want from our uh, indie author business. And so I certainly hope over time to expand the uh, the financial benefits I'm getting from things like Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee. Well, there's a really important point in what you just said, which is you're hoping to do what she's doing in three or four years. And I think a lot of times when people start this stuff, they start comparing their you know first three months to somebody's three years or yeah. 10 years. And you can really kind of get yourself in a hole with that because Shelly and I have been doing this for three months. We're not going to be as well known or as big as you and certainly not as Joanna Penn. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I want people to remember that you start where you start and don't, don't let the distance you have to go hold you back from doing the thing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And the, uh, the, the book that we had been talking about that led to this is the Indie Author's Guide to Podcasting for Authors, which I put out in October. And along with that, there's a document that's uh, free for anyone to download. It's called the, the Indie Author's Guide to Podcasting for Authors Captain's Log. And it's available on my website. So if you go to the indieauthor.com and then you click on uh, Podcasting for Authors and scroll down, you'll see a couple of downloadable documents. And a lot of that is really asking people to answer questions that help them think through if podcasting is going to be right for them. So really, you know, getting down on on either virtual or actual paper, what your goals are, what your monetization goals are, things like, can you list 25 topics that you'd want to talk with people about or talk about yourself on your podcast? If you can't think of 25 topics, you've probably picked the <laughs> the wrong overarching topic for your podcast because you should be able to you know have a whole a whole backlog of topics that you want to talk to people about but i think if people think through those considerations early then they avoid that the heartbreak of i i always heard this stat and i was never able to confirm it but i heard it so often that it's uh 75% of the podcasts that begin never get past 7 episodes and uh, if you think through this carefully ahead of time, you may avoid finding yourself among that 75%. We have yeah. succeeded. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been sad when I find one of those. I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying it. Oh, it's done. Yeah, oh, okay. exactly. It's it's <laughs> just as disappointing for the listeners as it is for the podcaster themselves. So now that you're doing uh, this full time, how much of your time is podcasting taking away from the writing aspect of your day? The way I've organized my day is that I try to do nonfiction writing up until one o'clock. And at one o'clock, every day I have a one and a half hour sprint with, with two fellow authors online. And I laughed when I first heard this concept about a virtual uh, writing sprint, but it has worked out great. It's, you know, you have to be there at, at one o'clock. We're all committed to actually focusing on our fiction writing for that period of time. And oftentimes at the end of an hour and a half, 
I'll continue working on my fiction writing. I usually reserve Monday strictly for podcast work because my podcast episodes go up on Tuesday. So I, I normally have, you know, I'm, I'm doing the prep for getting those ready. And I would probably allocate another half a day to the editing of the audio and video. But I don't really see it as eating into my fiction time because I'm not the kind of person who could sit down and grind away at fiction for eight hours. It's just, my mind doesn't work that way. So it's not as if, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I would be writing more fiction. It's just that I would be doing something else and, and podcasting is what I want to be doing. Can I ask you about promoting your podcast? Because I feel like we're doing pretty well with getting content getting, you know, great people to talk to, but promoting it beyond just sharing it on our social media, we're kind of at a loss. What what are you doing and what's working for you? I would say that the best way that I'm getting new listeners is through my guests. So when I and uh, Emma, you'll you'll remember all this uh, from from your own experience. When I send the email to the guest, letting them know that their episode has gone live, I explicitly ask them to spread the word. If you make it easy for them, that's really the key. The key is making it easy for them. So if you make it easy for them by giving them the links, by giving them an image they can use on social media, then you encourage them to spread the word among the people that they think are going to appreciate it. And so I can see... I can track through my history of episodes. And I would say if I were to assign a followership rank <laughs> or rating to each of the guests, I can I can see the bump when someone who has an active, uh, large active following is on the show. And oftentimes that bump continues on beyond. And not only do you need to make it easy for the guests to spread the word to, the, to their own followers and fans, but you need to give them the fodder to do that. And so after every episode, it's not just one announcement that the, this week it's uh, Emma Rose is the guest and then we, you never hear about it again. But every day for that following week, I publish an excerpt of the video with the people flagged appropriately in social media. So, you know, and again, just more material that makes it very easy for them to share out with people. So I think it's a networking effort. And in my case, I'm relying on my guests to be those networkers. And um, if you don't have guests, then it's it's tougher because uh, you don't have that automatic way of winning over new ears. But uh, obviously, there are ways of going about that too, because there are many very successful podcasts that don't have guests, but that's the approach that I've used in order to get the word out about the podcast. Interesting. Thank you. So I'm curious, how long were you podcasting before you felt like you built a, what you would consider a really good number of audience? I probably didn't start getting traction until I started publishing regularly. And so I think if you're publishing on an irregular schedule, it's going to be very hard to get traction because I think for anyone who's a podcast listener, you know, we all have those, oh, it's it's Monday, so it this one's gonna go up. It's Tuesday, so this one's gonna go up, and people look forward to that. And I also think that anything other than weekly is a little bit tough because it's kind of like I'm dating myself here, but you know, the TV programs when you would actually watch the TV programs <laughs> when they were on <laughs> and people would look forward to them. And 
you wouldn't want to wait two weeks or three weeks or a month until the next installment of the show that you wanted to see. And so for me, the difference really came when I was producing regularly on um, on a weekly schedule. So we're well on our way, Shelley. Yes, we're good. We got this. We, we've been on a set schedule. We, we're good. We're, you we're started out. You started out right. <laughs> I was very adamant that we didn't start publishing until we had a backlog of like eight or 10 episodes. That is a great piece of advice. That is something that I describe in my book that it's that also ensures that you can meet that weekly schedule and also ensures that you're interested enough to produce eight episodes. You know, that's a really, (laughs) really great uh, best practice. Right. And especially with this past year, I mean, who knows what life was going to bring. So you never knew if one of us was going to be out for a week or so. So just much safer that way. Yeah. I was just curious, what made you decide on the length of your podcast? I'm always interested in, I have them everywhere from eight minutes to like an hour and a half in the ones that I listen to. (laughs) It's probably based on how long I can sustain the listening energy I need to, because I do just find my, my episodes tend to be between 30 and 45 minutes. And I'm not very strict about the um, the time limit. Actually, one of the things that I've done lately for my Patreon members is I've started posting excerpts from the podcast. And so in the past where I might have, you know, a guest might have sort of, a guest or I might have started wandering off on a tangential topic, I might have tried to rein it in. And now I just let it go because I know that um, I'm going to be able to use that material for um, a patron only extra for my Patreon patrons. But I find that after about 45 minutes, I just, I can't pay attention carefully enough to feel like I'm holding up my end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say in my case, it was a combination of that. And just the fact that that's the length of podcast I enjoy listening to. Once they start going over an hour, I'm usually switching off to something else anyway. I can't even imagine what it's like to go off on tangents. Can you, Emma? No, we never (laughs) go off on tangents. We're always right on... I never talk about ducks or aliens or what I did last summer or that job I had. Never. (laughs) Before I go off on a complete total tangent on something else, can you tell us, Maddie, about your fiction? What what do you write? I write suspense and thriller novels. So I have two series. Um, the, The thriller series is the Lizzie Ballard Thriller Trilogy. And, uh, Actually, I'm going to hold that for a moment. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. But my my primary series is the Anne Kinnear Suspense Novels. And uh, the third one just came out in October last year. There's going to be the fourth one coming out in the next couple of months. And then uh, the fifth one later this year. And it's about a woman, Anne Kinnear, who uh, has the ability to sense spirits. And she offers her services as a consultant. And I try to treat it in a very sort of matter-of-fact way. You know, Anne is offering her services in the same way she would if she were an accountant or a a tax preparer or, you know, any other kind of professional. And so, as you can imagine, because it's it's a suspense novel, her ability to communicate with dead people leads her into some dicey situations from which she has to extract herself. And the driver for that was really the theme of what happens when an extraordinary ability transforms an ordinary life. And that's what all the Anne books are about, Anne's extraordinary ability being the ability to sense spirits. And then in the Lizzie Ballard books, Lizzie similarly has 
an extraordinary ability, and I'm not going to say what it is because that would be a bit of a spoiler for the first book. But <gasps> um, in <laughs> in the first book, Lizzie starts out it's a young girl, and most of the book takes place when she's um, 16 years old. She and her father are on their way to uh, New York City. She's talked them into taking the train up during Christmas to see the sights. And she's in my neck of the woods, uh, Philadelphia. And at 30th Street Station, things go off the rails, so to speak. And uh, Lizzie and her dad are on the run um, through three more books. Well, now I want to read it. Excellent. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll, maybe, maybe we'll read and do a review, a spoiler-free review. Oh, call me. Me. That, I picked that one. Me. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Maybe we can both read it and then we can just fangirl over it instead oh, of... <laughs> a comparison review. Oh, that would be fun. Okay. Fun Sorry. <laughs> See? Welcome welcome to our tangent game. <laughs> I like that tangent. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Maddie, we'll have to let you know uh, when we've reviewed your book and you can share it all over with your people. Very cool. Uh Shelly, do you have any other last-minute questions before we wrap ourselves up here? Because we are way over our usual time. No, I, I think I have peppered all my questions in. Okay. Maddie, do you have anything else you want to tell us before I give you the opportunity to tell us where we can find you? I guess the last thing I'll say is that one of the reasons that I got into podcasting is I feel that audio gives you a way of reaching people that is very difficult through the written word, you know, as well written as blog posts are, as well written as articles are, there's a personal connection that people feel when they're hearing you and not just reading your words. And in my mind, that's what makes podcasting really one of the strongest methods you can use in order to connect with people who are interested in what you have to say. So if people are interested in what you have to say, oh, look at that segue. If people <laughs> are interested in what you have to say, where can they find you? They can find me at uh, for fiction at maddiedalrymple.com, and that's Maddie with a Y, M A T T Y. And they can find my nonfiction platform, The Indie Author, at theindieauthor.com, and that's Indie with a Y. And if anyone is interested in podcasting, I would invite you to uh, go to theindieauthor.com and then go to the uh, Podcasting for Authors tab. And there you will see my book, The Indie Author's Guide to Podcasting for Authors, as well as the uh, free downloadable resources that I mentioned earlier. And we will put that link in our show notes for ease of access for everyone. That would be fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. I know I learned a lot. This was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me as a guest. Thanks for more a smoother segue into the okay and I'm done (laughs) and I'm done I'm done we'll just do what we always do and it'll just be the music fades out as I ramble about nothing (laughs) that's usually how we end the show. (laughs) 